Good evening, Way family. We are so glad that you decided to spend your time studying the Word of God with us. My name is Minister Rondell, and I'm excited to facilitate today's lesson on joy. I encourage you to turn off your cell phones or turn them on silent. Keep your Bibles open so that it's going to be easier to flow along with our study session and take notes as we dig into the Word of God. Our scripture will be coming from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It states, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be, be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Let's bow our heads and say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, O oh God. We thank you. We honor you. We exalt you. You're worthy of the glory. You're worthy of the honor. You're worthy of the praise, O oh God. We pray, O oh God, as we spend this time studying your word, we pray, O oh God, that you would speak to us and that you will speak through us, O oh God. We pray, O oh God, that we will settle our hearts, settle our minds, O oh God. That we will take this time to focus solely on you. We pray, O oh God, that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So tonight we'll examine the biblical significance of joy. It's a three-letter word. It's commonly used but many of us might not know what it truly means. Joy is listed in Galatians chapter 5 as a fruit of the Spirit. So in other words, if the Spirit of God is living inside of me, an outcome of that is joy. Therefore, there is a mandate on every believer's life to have joy. Let's start by defining what joy is. Joy is a positive attitude or delight. It can appear in various forms, such as gladness or contentment. Joy that the people of God have should be holy, should be pure, and it rises above every circumstance. Now, I might be aging myself a little bit with this next statement because I don't think kids these days, they really use paper dictionaries. But if you look in the dictionary or if you choose to ask Alexa, whichever you prefer, joy and happiness they are synonyms and they're often used interchangeably. I want to point, point out, there is a slight difference between the two. Happiness, happiness is defined as having a sense of satisfaction with a person or situation. The difference is happiness depends on what your circumstances look like, right? So your emotion is a direct result of something positive that's going on in your life. On the other hand, Joy can be achieved regardless of what your circumstances look like. 
So even on your worst days, joy is still possible because it goes beyond what we see and what we feel, and it is a gift given only from God. Let's take a moment to look back at our focal text. So the focal text comes from the book of Philippians, which is a letter written by Apostle Paul. A major theme throughout this book is joy. The word appears 16 times throughout this short letter. All right. So Paul, he wrote the book of Philippians while in prison. And let's face it, spending time in jail is no easy task. If you've seen any of those prison shows, you know, spending time in prison, it's not an easy task. So Paul, he was facing difficulties of his own. He addressed it to the church of Philippi. And during this time, the church, they also had difficulty. They were under persecution. They were experiencing suffering and they lacked harmony amongst their members. I believe that we can gain a lot of insight from this letter. Although the church at Philippi was struggling a bit, they were on the struggle bus, right? That's the word I use. They were on the struggle bus. Paul still encouraged them to have joy. It is amid their unfavorable situations that we can truly gain insight on what it means to have joy. So tonight, during our study session, we'll discuss that joy should be present regardless of our circumstances. So that's point one. Point two, we'll discuss practical advice on how to have joy in every circumstance. And point three, we'll examine characteristics of God, the one who gives us joy. So if you still have your Bibles open, let's start with verse four. It reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Paul tells the church of Philippi to rejoice in the Lord. So if you're anything like me, every time I hear this verse, I sing in my head, and sometimes out loud, Israel Hawkins' song, Rejoice in the Lord Always. And if you're familiar with that song, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, again, I say rejoice. And so it's probably, so when singing this, I always felt like the emphasis was on rejoice, right? Because the song, because probably because of how the song was written, it starts off rejoice in the Lord, right? So I always thought the emphasis was on the word rejoice. However, when we read the text, the true emphasis is on the phrase in the Lord, because joy cannot be produced unless you have the spirit of Christ inside of you. Again, joy, it goes beyond our own emotions, and it is a gift that we can gain only from God. Looking back at the verse, Paul then suggests rejoicing always, meaning at all times and in all circumstances. And he even repeats himself, stating, again, I will say rejoice. We can infer that Paul is not only encouraging the church to have joy, but it's a command. It's a command to have joy regardless of how we woke up feeling this morning. It's a command to have joy if a coworker got on your nerves. And it's a command to have joy even if your boo just broke up with you, right? Unfavorable situations, but God still commands us to have joy. Joy looks beyond our present circumstances, and that is why it can only be accomplished when the Spirit of God resides inside of you. Let's go ahead. Let's transition to verse number five. It states, 
Let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. One way that joy will be evident in a believer's life is your gentle spirit will be recognized by everyone. And when I say everyone, believers and non-believers. We'll go further in detail about what gentleness means as we, as we continue the Fruit of the Spirit series. However, I'll briefly discuss what gentleness means in this verse. The word gentle here means to be truly fair by relaxing overly strict standards to fulfill the spirit. Now, for me, that's a mouthful. So I'll say it one more time. The word gentle here means to be truly fair by relaxing overly strict standards to fulfill the spirit. So what that means is, I'll sum it up for y'all. <laughs> gentleness requires putting God's standards above our own. So gentleness is sacrificial. All right. The next sentence in the verse states, the Lord is at hand. In other words, the Lord is near. Paul reminds the church why they should follow the spirit. And that's because the Lord will return soon. As I meditated on this verse, I meditated on how intentional Paul was in providing encouragement at this time. He has already commanded us to have joy despite what we're experiencing. He told us that we have to be sacrificial. And the reason we're doing it, we're doing it all because the Lord will return soon. Here, Paul is telling us that everything that we must go through is worth it. Sacrificing our life is worth it. Being obedient is worth it. Because at the end of the day, everything that we do is for the honor and is for the glory of God. And he is coming back soon. So be encouraged, y'all, that the sacrifices that you make, everything that you do for Christ, it is worth it. Let's go ahead and move on to verses 6 and 7. It reads, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In this sentence, Paul provides practical advice on how to have joy in any circumstance. Let's start off by defining a key word here. And that will allow us to dive deeper into the true meaning of this sentence. So let's summarize the sentence, okay? Paul explains, do not be anxious for anything, but go to God in prayer, which will allow the peace of God to guard our hearts and minds. The meaning of guard in this context is to keep watch like a soldier in the military. The use of this word in the text implies that our mind is a battlefield where good things, good thoughts, and bad thoughts linger. Now, I'm sure we do our best to think good in most situations. However, if we can be honest with ourselves, and me included, listen, every so often, there's a negative or a worldly thought that comes into our minds. Our thoughts can then become actions, and that can lead to sin. Now, in a moment, we'll discuss in further detail what our thought process should look like. 
But for now, I'll just go ahead and reiterate the idea that our mind is a battlefield. And so we must aggressively protect it so that God can give us peace. By understanding Paul's implication that our mind is a battlefield, we can then examine the practical advice provided in verse 6 on how to handle the battle in our minds. The beginning of the verse states, do not be anxious. Anxious here means to get distracted. So in other words, he's telling us, don't get distracted by anything. It's as if Paul knows that when trials and tribulations arise, someone or something will come to distract us. So we can be honest, for some of us, going to work every day, that is our trial and tribulation. Listen, I am with y'all on that. So if you ever have one of those days where you know it's difficult going to work, but on that specific day, you got up early, you got dressed early, you normally don't have time to make breakfast, you made breakfast, like your morning is starting off good so that you can get to work on time and you can be a productive worker. But as you're driving to work, you catch a flat tire, right? <laughs> and so when that happens, you might want to give up. However, be encouraged with that when something like that tries to get us off course, stay focused. Stay focused, all right? Do not get distracted. The verse then states, go to God with prayer and supplication. The word supplication means to pray for your specific need and whatever you are lacking. Prayer is communication with your Heavenly Father. So it's simple. Spend time talking to Him. Psalms chapter 34 reminds us that God, He has ears to hear our prayers. God wants to hear your needs and your heart's desires. So talk to Him. Not only should we avoid getting distracted, and we should also have open conversation with God. We're to do so while giving thanks. Even in adversity, there was always something to be thankful for. Romans 8 and 28 reminds us that everything that we do, everything that we go through is for our good. So be thankful. And Paul says, if we do these things, it will result in the peace of God. And it will be evident in our hearts and in our minds. Y'all, this isn't just any peace. This is peace that goes beyond what we can think, what we can comprehend, and it is peace that is only found in Christ Jesus. So, so far, we've discussed that joy should be present regardless of our circumstances and practical advice on how to have joy in every circumstance. So I'm on the last point here. Let's take a look at verse 8. It states, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This verse further explains how we should protect our minds from worldly thoughts when we can, so that we can have peace and joy. Paul takes it a step further and tells us what our thoughts should be. 
And through this, we can find out more about who our God is. We should think on what is true, meaning whatever is tested to be factual. If your mom or dad or both made you go to Sunday school as a kid, you might be familiar with the story of Noah's Ark. In Genesis chapter 9, after God destroyed all living creatures on earth except those in Noah's Ark, God said that he will set a rainbow to confirm that he will never destroy earth through flood again. Oftentimes, after it rains, I still see a rainbow in the sky. And each time I see that rainbow, I'm reminded of God's promise that he made thousands of years ago. Our God, y'all, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He proves time and time again that he is true. We serve a true God. Amen? We are also encouraged to think on whatever is noble or well-respected. While Jesus walked the earth, there was a lot of speculation about whether he's truly the son of God. Mark chapter 15 provides an account of the crucifixion. In that chapter, we find that when the soldier that stood in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, truly, you are the son of God. We serve a God that is noble. Amen. And additionally, we should also think on whatever is pure. Pure here means without sin. So taking it back to another Sunday school lesson that some of us might be familiar with, the story of creation, Genesis provides, Genesis begins by detailing the start of the world. Chapter 1, verse 1, everybody may be familiar with how the Bible starts out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> and so sin, if you read the book of Genesis, sin does not enter the world until Adam and Eve ate of the tree. And that's in Genesis chapter 3. All right. So our God, he was here before sin entered the earth and he continues to be without sin. Y'all, we serve a pure God. Our God is pure. Our, our God is noble. Our God is true. There are so many things, so many things that we can think about to ensure God's peace. We should constantly meditate on whatever is virtuous and praiseworthy. And while doing so, we learn just a little bit more about who our God is, this God that we serve is God that created us. So in closing, I'm sure that we can all agree that life has challenging moments, right? Experiencing the death of a loved one is challenging. Receiving an unfavorable report from the doctor can also be challenging. God never promised that life would be easy. However, he said that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us even through our tough times. As children of God, we're expected to portray him even during those challenging circumstances. Through Christ, we can still have joy and gladness in all situations. 
the major key is to allow God's peace to rule in our hearts and in our minds. The amazing thing about this passage is that it does not give us a command and then just leaves us hanging. We have a good basis of practical tools to use so that when we so that we are living up to the standard that God has set for us. And so here in this text, we find that we should be intentional about our prayer time. God, he wants to hear our needs. He wants to hear our desires. He wants to hear our wants. Throughout the day, be intentional about meditating. Think on who our God is. Think on things that are lovely, things that are praiseworthy. We're reminded here that the battle starts in our minds. So be aggressive about controlling the thoughts that enter your mind. If we can control our thoughts, God will produce joy and peace in our lives. That can be seen by believers and non-believers. It's important not only to hear the word, but to also apply it, right? The Bible tells us that we should be hearers and we should be doers of the word. Meaning, we should hear the word and we should also do as the word says. As your relationship with Christ is growing, do you find yourself being thankful even during difficult times? Take a moment to examine Do you go to God and allow him to give you peace and joy? Are you open with God and let him know your needs? As you take that time to self-examine, let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this time spent in your word. We thank you for the things that you've spoken to us, the things that you've confirmed for us, and also giving us things that we need to work on. We pray, oh God, that you would help us. Help us to have joy in every circumstance. You said in your word, oh God, that we can only do this through you, oh God. And so we are praying and petitioning that we need your help. We need you to have joy. We pray, oh God, that you would help us with the battle in our minds, oh God. That when negative thoughts, when worldly thoughts come up, we pray, oh God, that we would cast those down with things that are true. That we would cast those down with things that are praiseworthy. That we would cast those down with things that are virtuous, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for this time spent getting to know you a little bit more. To know that you are true. To know that you are a God who is well respected. We thank you, oh God, for who you are. For being our creator. For for being our provider, oh God. And we pray, oh God, that you will continue to help us and be with us through this journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we thank you all for joining us, and I pray that this lesson helped you so that you can bear the fruit of the Spirit. Join us again next week as we continue our midweek series, Summer Diet. Also, 
We invite you to join us in person or on Facebook Live for morning worship on Sunday mornings. We worship at 10 a.m. For more information about our church, please visit www.waytampabay.org. Thank you again for joining us, and we pray that you enjoy the rest of your evening.